Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Are you tired of the invite you to go back to some of our previous? And I hope you're looking forward to our next one as well. Hey, we've got a little offer for you here. We want to invite you to email us a question or comment about any of our episodes, be it today's episode or a previous one, or even one on, you know, maybe you have a question about one of them or you have an interest for the possibilities of an upcoming show, you do that and you'll automatically be entered in a drawing for a free copy of our soon-to-be-released book, Recovery Conversations with Randy Davis, Volume 1. It should be available mid-July. I think maybe even for next week's episode, we'll be able to give you more details. We could prop possibly have it in the hand by that time. Ten of our lucky listeners will be winners. Send that email to podcast at ablbh.org. ablbh.org. Include your name and ten residents so we can give you a shout-out here on one of our episodes. We look forward to receiving your questions. Today, Staying in line with our our theme of all things recovery, have a guest with us, a young man by the name of Wyatt Sadler. Welcome, Wyatt. Hi, Randy. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us today. I want you to share with the folks your age, some of your interests, future plans, even why you've chosen to join us today. Go ahead. All right. Um, my name is Wyatt Sadler, like you said. Um, I'm 17 years old. I just graduated from high school. Um, my plans for the future, I'm hoping to become an EMT or a firefighter. I'm going to go into training for that soon. Um, hobbies, I I like playing video games, uh, cooking and baking. That's a big thing as well. Cooking and baking. Oh, yeah. What are your favorite things to either cook or bake? Give us an um, idea. A uh, family favorite is peanut butter cookies with my grandmother. Um, and Yum. just, yeah, we. Cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, what's brought you here today and why are you willing to even join us here today, Wyatt? So my father passed away in April of this year uh, due to a drug overdose. He has struggled with addiction as long as I can remember and I've known Brianna's Hope for quite a long time, and I thought maybe it would be a good way to reach out to others and kind of help them out. You know, that's pretty bold of someone who's 17 just lost their dad. And I don't have to remind you of this, but I want you to be able to confirm this with the folks who are listening. You lost your dad the day before your prom, Yes, he passed away. April 28th, and prom was April 29th. Wow, that had to be kind of an awkward, tough time. Oh, yeah. Um, Luckily, I had 
family members and friends who were always there for me and they continue to be there and I can't thank them enough, honestly. Oh, that circle of support so important and from both family and friends because we can get it one place and if we're not getting it the other, it's not a very pleasant time. It's hard enough to deal with as it is. I don't care what your age is. I was 23 when I lost my mom and that wasn't that much older than you. And even if I was 40 or 60 and lost a parent, that still hurts. Oh, yeah. That is tough to deal with. So, folks, hang with us. Uh, Wyatt's already told me, and I'm sure he'll make mention of it one way or the other. This is his first time to tell his story in a public in a public way. And... Uh, and certainly his first time, not just to tell his story on a podcast, but to be on a podcast. But before we get into that story, Wyatt, I know your future plans include the possibility of you and a special friend putting together a podcast someday, yes? Yeah, um, <laughs> me and my friend Harley for the longest time we always thought about me, him and some more friends doing a podcast together and just talking about funny stories and just cracking jokes and just trying to make people laugh. You had told me earlier what the title of that might be. <laughs> Go ahead share that with the folks. Cause I love the title. Cheese on a wall because of a stupid inside joke we had for forever. A cheese on on a wall. Cheese yes. on a wall, yes, sir. Does the cheese matter what it is? No, sir. If the cheese fits, we throw it, yes? Yes, sir. All right, okay. That's interesting. Uh, why did you know? Well, no, before I say that, let me tell you folks, I, Wyatt and I haven't had a, a close personal relationship, but certainly one each other fact of the matter is, tell the folks who your first grade teacher was. My first grade teacher was Mrs. Rose Davis, Randy's wife. Yes, yes. So that's been a year or two anyway. And I knew your dad, Jason. Uh, Randy several times when he worked at Pizza Hut, when he worked at the hardware store. Uh, go back years. I believe my wife was also his teacher. Yes? Uh, yes, she was. And had one of your sisters, you thought? Uh, I believe so. You have two sisters, right? I have two older sisters, Kelly and Sherilyn. I believe she had Sherilyn. If okay. I'm wrong, oh well. No biggie. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and your grandparents, uh, Lloyd and Susie, I've known them for a lot of years, figuring coming here today, go back about 50 years with your grandpa. We were both much younger then, okay? Uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I know it was, it was a battle for your dad. I knew a lot of his ups and downs. Nothing like you do. What did that look like through your eyes? Now, we recognize and realize you are not speaking for your sisters. They could have a different point of view on these things, and it won't make either of you wrong. So what I'm asking you today is for your take on all of this, okay? Right. And if you're just raw and real with that, that's all we ask. So how, how did you see your dad's battle? 
oblivious to the fact that my dad was struggling with addiction. Uh, but once he and my mom separated, my mom told me what was going on. And I remember for a while, I was very mad at him. I couldn't really forgive him for a while because I didn't understand it. But over time, I, you know, got more information about what it's like. And I realized I never really asked until one day I was just like, you know, are you going and doing something stupid? And he was like, no, I'm doing something to help us out. And he told me about Brianna's hope and I asked him if I could come join him. And then I started coming with them on a fairly regular basis. Most definitely. Yes. Um, I through that, but most importantly, I figured out more what it's like to be in an addict's shoes. And I knew, learned more about, you know, what it's like with my dad and what he went through. So what were your dad's behaviors like as far as father son toward you with you and so on? Um, for the most part, it was pretty laid back. It was, in all honesty, it was more of a friend type relationship than a father-son relationship at most times. And there were good parts and bad parts about that. But um, just he was always there for me when I needed it. He was, he always was, you know, a good dad. Just sometimes he didn't really know what to do. I knew he did his best with raising me. And yeah. So you obviously have a lot of respect for him. You're not going to define him by his addiction. Definitely not. No, I know that he didn't want it just as much as I didn't want him to have it. So tell us, tell us some of those high points with your dad, the things that made him a special guy. I know you talked earlier about his love for music, and I know he seldom, if ever, saw a stranger. Okay, I knew him that well. Yeah, and he always had time to talk. But tell him what it was. Tell us what it was like to have Jason as your dad. Um, he was very much fun-loving. When I was a lot younger, we spent quite a bit of time with our friends. Um, we used to own a boat, and we'd go out, and they'd go party on the boat and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I will give him props. He was always very good at keeping the drug use away from me and my siblings and all the younger people. He tried to make sure that that wasn't, that we weren't exposed to it. And um, so I really couldn't tell. But I remember just dad always liked having fun as you said, he loved music, specifically rock music. And uh, I'm blanking. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, you mentioned earlier how your first, your understanding began when your mom sat you down and talked to you about your dad's struggles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever have that sit down talk with your dad, knee bone to knee bone kind of thing across the table, him explaining or? Um, k- 
kind of, but we never really like sat down and well, that's a lie we have just, it's been forever ago, but we've talked about it before. And, you know, it was already at a point where I had understood what was going on. I had kind of figured it out on my own and he just kind of told me, you know, I want to get better. I don't want this just as much as you don't want this. And he told me that he was going to work on changing by going to Brianna's Hope. And, you know, he did for the longest time. I know there were times where I'd hear either in the community or just by looking at his attendance at the meetings, I know there were some highs that were not drug-induced. They were natural highs of having hope and believing he was going to get there and others believing in him. Of course, we always carry that caution. And uh, we know that the next use can be the last use. But I do know your dad had reasons at time to believe he was going to beat the the addiction. Is that accurate in your mind? Oh, yeah. He um, he was clean from, you know, any sort of drugs for a long time, but he had, you know, stopped. He had started drinking more, but he was glad that he was off of, you know, pills and, you know, hard drugs. <clears throat> well, that's that's a big step, and I'm glad he was able to recognize that. Do you have any understanding or knowledge of how your dad's use of drugs started? Have you ever been told by anyone what they believe it was? Uh, like the cause of like what? Yes, yes. Um, what precipitated his usage? I'm not fully sure. I know he was about my age when he started just smoking weed, but... I'm not sure when exactly he started doing drugs. I know that for a good portion of his life, he lived in Florida. So I could assume maybe it started through that because it's Florida. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Okay, okay. What, what What are some of the early moments for you that you recognized your dad was struggling. What are some of your first indicators? Um, Looking back on it, I remember there were days on the, you know, on the tail end of my parents' marriage where he would, you know, go to work and then he wouldn't come back till late at night or he would be more agitated with us and, you know, I just thought maybe he was still at work. but Bad as day I, at work. Yeah, something like that. But then as I got older, he told me that he was going to people's houses to use. He would go there right after work, use, and come back home and be... Not be in a uh, good state of mind. Yeah. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, how did you feel about Wyatt at that time? What what do you think his his addiction, his use has done to you? How has it caused you to face life? Um, <clears throat> when I was younger and I first found out about it, I remember I felt like it was my fault. I felt like I was being a bad son 
and I placed part of the blame on myself internally. But um, now as I'm older and I've learned more about it and I've learned to understand it better, I've kind of thought, you know, it's like if my dad was able to deal with his addiction better, I can deal with, you know, my issues better. You know, I just kind of think like my dad could do it. I can do it too. I can be better than that. I've always been, I was always told by him, do as I say, not as I do. Oh, and, that line often. and so I've always kind of told myself, I want to be better than dad. I want to put myself in a better spot for my future family and just me in general. I Absolutely. want to be better off. You know, that, that early age guilt's understandable, but you know, it was wrong now, right? Yeah. That regardless of how you may have wanted it for him, how anybody else in the family may have wanted it for him, your sisters, your mom, his parents, his best friends, the choice. And I don't, I don't want to confuse the idea of choice with, with this being a disease because indeed addiction is a disease. But his choices, he was responsible for them. Even if he needed help to make them, the final choice in anything belongs to us. It's either a yes or a no in our actions or coming out of our mouth for sure. Uh, you, you've already said you've recognized your dad has a struggle. You don't want to face that struggle. Is that what's kept you away, Wyatt, from any kind of usage because addiction's a generational thing, an environmental thing. How, I don't know. Do you tell us what's that part of the battle been like for you? So for me, I, you know, for the longest time, I was already like, I don't want to use drugs. That just doesn't sound like a good thing. It can ruin your life. But as I learned that it is hereditary or generational, it's helped me stray away from it even more, keep from doing that, because I know that if I were to even try it once, I am at a much higher risk of becoming addicted to By something. By all means, that risk is monumentally higher. Oh, yeah. Than and when it's in, quote, the bloodline. Oh, yeah. And even with drinking, I have no real intention of doing that anytime soon just because... He was a heavy drinker um, as well as an addict. He definitely focused more on the alcohol than the drugs as he got older and got through his drug addiction. Just a couple of months ago is when your dad overdosed and passed, right? Just yes. about two months ago, just a few days shy of that. What were your immediate feelings at that time? Can you tell us? I can guess, um, but I want to hear it from you. So is it okay if I kind of go Absolutely. and talk about the story? Absolutely. So please do. Me and my friend, we went to a school event at night. And when we came back, he had a friend over and 
the friend immediately as soon as we walk in the door was like, hey, uh, Jason's acting really weird. He hasn't woke up in like an hour. And last thing I heard from him was like a really loud snore like 15 minutes ago. So I just thought, oh, okay, he's probably just passed out drunk or something like that. And so I go and check on him and he's, you know, unresponsive. And I'm just like, okay, um, there's no way he's dead. And so I just start, you know. No way he's dead because you didn't want him to be. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I was like, he's. words in your mouth. Yeah, I was like, I I didn't want him to be dead. So I was like, no, A he's just asleep. Thing. Yeah, I was Got just you. denying that he was. The possibility of him actually Yeah, and so I start, you know, kind of smacking him around. I was like, hey, dad, wake up. We're home. You know, what's going on? And then, um. After about a minute of, you know, just kind of like jostling him around, trying to get him up, I was just like, okay, uh, something isn't right. So I check his pulse on his wrist and nothing. And I'm just like, oh, no. Uh, Then I check it on his neck. I check his, I think it's your jugular vein you check. And then um, I took my flashlight, my phone light, and I, like, put it up to his eyes to see if they would uh, dilate, Uh, and there was nothing. And when I turned on the light, I could see his face fully illuminated, and it was, like, the darkest shade of, like, purple or blue that I've ever seen on someone. And that's when I realized, like, oh, he, I need to call an ambulance or something. So I told... Uh, the friend that was there, friend, air quotes. (laughs) Um, I was like, hey, I'm going to call my sister because she's an MA and ask her, like, what do I do? And I call her and she was just immediately like, you need to call 911. We'll meet you at the hospital. And so I tell Harley and I tell the girl, I'm like, hey, I'm going to call 911. And the girl immediately was like, I can't, they can't know I was here. My parents can't know I was here. I'm gone. And she bailed on us. So uh, me and my friend were left home alone with my dad and the 911 operator. And we start. Let doing... me interrupt one moment. Yeah, sorry. No, no apology necessary. How long of a time frame was that from the time you went into your dad's bedroom or wherever he was sleeping to the time you called 911? How long? Ballpark. Um, I think it'd be around 10, 15 minutes. Okay, that's fine. Um, Please go ahead. We, you know, I checked his pulse and all that stuff. I did. I found Narcan in the bathroom. I knew he had Narcan stored just in case. And I did two things of Narcan. And it did nothing, so that's when I called 911. And so I started doing CPR on him. I had to drag him off his bed onto the bedroom floor. And uh, I started doing CPR. And, like, that's when the panic really set in. I was like, oh, crap, he's, you know, he's probably dead. And um, I'm lucky enough that... My neighbors and the people around me in our neighborhood are all like EMT, fire, so they were there pretty quick. Albany so, is tremendous. With oh yeah, the I love service. I love the EMTs and services. Yes, yes, I love the first responders there. And um, so my neighbors came in and they was like, "Hey, we just saw on the dispatch thing what's going on." And I told them, 
And so they start doing CPR. Um, and my grandparents come and there's like, Hey, uh, Kelly called us what's going on. I tell them. And so there's like, okay, we'll go to the hospital. And I tell them like, I'm going to go with dad. I want to be with dad. So them and my friend, they all drive to the hospital. My sisters are at the hospital and then I'm in our front yard uh, in an ambulance talking with the fire chief in Albany. And we're just sitting there trying to keep my mind off things. And um, I don't know about, it felt like it was 15 minutes, but it was probably more than that. Um, My neighbor comes up and she's like, we're really sorry. There's nothing more we can do. We, he, he's dead. This neighbor, is she a member of the emergency emergency medical services of some type? Yes, she's okay. uh, EMT in Albany, I believe. Okay, <clears throat> okay. But she, you know, she's the one that told me, and I looked at her and I was like, you're kidding. Like, I, there's no way he's dead. And she came and she walked me to a truck, and I remember the last time I actually looked at my dad was when I was walking to the ambulance, I turned around and I could see his face out of the window while they were covering him up with a sheet. And I just broke down crying. I almost fell to the ground and I had to be helped up into the truck. And the shame in that, no shame. Don't ever (laughs) as much as it hurt. Don't ever feel any shame for that. Um, but when I was driving to the hospital with the fire chief, he was asking me, you know, what was I wanting to do? And funnily enough, my grandpa and I, we were talking about, um, becoming a firefighter because, you know, it pays well and it's a highly respected job. And I thought I would like to do that because I would get to help people. And ever since I was really young, I've always wanted to do something that would help. I went from wanting to be a cop to like wanting to be a therapist or something like that. And then now I'm wanting to be a firefighter or an EMT. And he said that he thought I'd be good at that. And uh, he gave me an opportunity. And so I'm going to take it. <laughs> well, c- congratulations. And I thank hope you. that plays out well. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. I know it can't be easy to relive, but I know that's part of the healing process after you got over that initial release of anxiety and hurt and tears, was there some anger? Oh, yeah. I remember, actually, I had been bottling it up for a really long time, and the night of my graduation party, I just couldn't handle it anymore. So I just I went out in the woods near my house, and I just started screaming and crying and I was just like I was asking for a response from my dad I was just like why why did you do this I'm so close to one of the biggest achievements I'm gonna have why did you why did you be why did you decide to be so selfish and to no surprise there wasn't a response no but for you to be able to voice that at such a time as that is pretty insightful. Uh, that's something a lot of people don't 
They don't want to admit the anger. They don't want to admit, you know, the fact. Why were you so selfish to be able to say that's big? That's part of your healing. And I know there's, you think no less of your dad for the way that he passed, but by the same token, you know there was some control possibilities that he didn't exercise, and then you had to suffer the loss at such an important time in your life between prom and graduation, and that's a big time in your life anyhow with its own challenges. Yeah, and I I just remember I, I didn't go to school for the first day back, but then again it was senior skip day, but... I remember a few of my teachers, they were even like, we're surprised to see you back so early because of what I went through. And they, by prom, the principal already knew. The My neighbor's the police commissioner, and he had already told uh, my principal about it, and he came up to me and there was like, hey, if you need anything, just let us know. And I was like, how? And I was very confused because I was like, the only people that know about this are family and my like three friends. <clears throat> so I was like very much confused. And he was like, well, I have connections. <laughs> Good, bad or ugly. That kind of news travels in a hurry. Wyatt. Oh yeah. Is it Mr. Conley? Is that your principal? Yes. I've known Mr. Conley for a number of years. Of course he was there at Albany elementary when Rose was teaching there. I count him as a good friend, not that we're together a lot, but I have a world of respect for him. And you're not the first one to tell me moments like this where he was there for people. He cares. You lived in a community that cared and continues to care. And uh, you've had a lot of support and I am thankful for that for your sake. And I hope other communities, other people are listening. We don't have to have details. We've just got to have a positive response. We've got to be there to encourage, to to pick a friend up who drops to their knees at a time such as this, just to let folks know they matter. Indeed, your dad did. Indeed, you do. And people were trying to say that. Do you feel in any way that during this whole struggle time for your dad that you could have done anything differently that would have made a difference? I remember back at the tail end of my eighth grade year, I had heard that he had relapsed and I was extremely angry with him. I felt like he had kind of broken my trust, I feel, because I was always, I've tried to always be there for him when it came to his recovery. And I remember he had told me that he had given, I forget if it was you or someone else that ran a meeting, all of his tags and just said, I'll be back for these another time. I messed up and I was very mad at him. And for a while I stopped visiting him and when I did that, he decided to move to Florida in 
April of 2018 or in like March, I mean, of 2018, sorry. Um, but I honestly wished that I wouldn't have done that because if I was there for him more, maybe it would have helped put him on the right track faster. It would have helped give him more motivation to do better. Um, and I'm going to guess if you'd have known that was the way to be, that's what you'd have done. But you had to make the best decision for you. Had a young lady there in your chair sometime back. Her name is Lily. She lost her dad at a young age. And I'll never forget, she made a comment to her dad. Dad, I can't let you in and out of my life as you choose if it's only going to bring more hurt and more pain to all of us. So there came a time, the scriptures even say, there's a time to shake the dust off our feet and to walk away. So I hope you'll come to forgive yourself of that. And could it have made a difference? I guess we'll never know. Yeah. You know, we can wrestle those woulda, coulda, shouldas the rest of our life and still have no answer. Yeah. Uh, if your dad was here today, what would you want to say to him? What would you want to say to him? I honestly would want to ask him if he's proud of me because I, you know, I graduated and he dropped out and got his GED back in 2000. He didn't graduate on time. So I was, I'm, I always kind of thought, you know, it was like, well, Hey, I'm graduating on time. At least that's good for me. Um, but I honestly would just want to ask him, you know, are you proud of what I'm wanting to do? Are you proud of, you know, my achievements in life so far, even though it's just graduation and really nothing else. <laughs> nah, not just graduation. It's graduation. And I know you'd rather hear it from him. And I wish you could, but him, <laughs> if he knew what you were doing here today, there are a lot of 17-year-olds who are willing to take that seat two months after their dad whom they loved. I almost get it if there was if there was anger and angst and viciousness between the two. That's not the case here. Your your respect for him is high. Your love for him was just as high. But the willingness to come here and do this to where maybe he felt he couldn't make a difference. But his story could. And I hope that is the result of our time together here, Wyatt. So is there anything else you'd like to say to anybody out there, any young person who may be struggling because of a parent who's, who has their own addictions? Any kind of advice, warning, caution you'd want to, yeah, give to them? Um to any people or kids who have parents who are struggling with addiction, stick with them because just as just like you can have a mother's love is like no other, a child's love can honestly be like no other either. Um, I 
like to think at least that I helped my dad. And if your parent is struggling with addiction, maybe you can help them too. You can help them get on the right track and get better. Um, Just don't, I guess, don't give them infinite chances, but just be there when they know they need it. Be there when they're ready to try. And be there when they're ready to try. Yeah. Those are powerful words. I don't care who you are, what age you are. As family members, that's the case. And that's not always easy because we've been manipulated so many times. We've been lied lied to. But by the same token, there comes a time to step back into the game. And I think that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. If you can usually tell if it's someone like your parent, if you feel like they're being true and genuine, that they want to change and be better and fix your relationship, give them that opportunity. Amen to that. Uh, Yes. Well, listen, Wyatt, I thank you for your your willingness to share today, your vulnerabilities. I thank you for... For what you've had to offer, uh, your dad was a friend. Uh, he impacted a lot of lives. I appreciated him, the rest of your family. Folks, I hope you heard that. Hang in there with your loved ones. We never know when we can help them turn that corner. And just as Wyatt's made it clear here today, he's not going to define his dad by the way he passed. But by the way he lived, the love that he shared, and the joy that he had. God bless. Thank you. Stay in the battle. Amen.